a lot of women don't realize not only is it not normal for us to be completely obsessed and waste our lives focusing on what we look like to the exclusion of all else it's not normal but it looks normal because we're all doing it and I just want to show them that like it's not just about diets don't work. It's about you are wasting your life doing this. So that's really this passion I have for that. It became less about let me help women lose weight without dieting, but it became something bigger than me. Welcome to Her Drive Podcast, a female-focused interview series with women of the world discussing their road trips to success. I'm your host, Cindy Cramblett, a travel expert, business owner, and curious spirit with a knack for meeting fascinating women. Please join me as I hop in the passenger seat and chat with these ambitious women about what drives them, twists and turns, and those pedal-to-the-metal moments. Let's drive. Hi, and welcome back to Her Drive Podcast. It is summer, and who does not want a summer body and to feel good from the inside out? I'm really excited for today's guest, Camille Martin um, from Love to Lose, and she's going to dive into her personal journey of wellness and goal setting, talk to us a bit about what she does, and... Um, I'm super excited to get to know you, Camille. Welcome. Yes. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's it's certainly a pleasure. Well, let's just dive right into it. Um, kind of who are you yeah. and what is it that you do? Okay. Well, who I am um, on the surface level is I'm Camille Martin. I'm a registered dietitian. Um, I'm also a technical writer for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I work for one of their journals editing um, chronic disease articles, which is my day job. Um, I'm also the owner of Love to Lose, which is my um, online business where I teach women how to lose weight without dieting, but more importantly, how to to, um, reclaim their excitement for life after people have been dieting for years on end. It's completely demoralizing. So I want to help women get excited about their lives again. And I want them to learn how to set and achieve goals that are non-weight related um, and basically reach their fullest potential. And that came out of a very um, really painful 25-year experience on my part, um, learning how to do all of that. So yeah. Wow. Well, I am very excited to hear that. And just the small amount you shared just now hit a few chords with me as far as my own journey with dieting and macros and yeah. mental <laughs> drain. <laughs> probably adrenal fatigue too, but yeah. yeah. Um, well, great. Well, why don't you um, share a bit about like what drew you into um, becoming a dietitian and and what and what that was like. Okay. Yeah. Um, I really became a dietitian by accident. I had no plan to do it. Um, but like I said, I spent 25 years of my life almost on a diet, dieting and failing over and over again. Um, I started dieting when I was 12, believe it or not, um, which is now looking back just so, so painful to me to, to look back on my 12 year old self. But as all women do, we get these messages that, um, what we look like matters most. And I certainly got all of those messages from the media and from the women around me, even though no one was directly saying to me, you need to lose weight, you need to do that. But um, 
Yeah, I just absorbed all of it. Like, you know, my mom, I'm 51, so I grew up in um, early 80s, and my mom was, you know, drinking tab and, you know, not eating. And one, at a certain point in my life, I got the distinct feeling that how I had been eating up until that point was all of a sudden not okay and that I needed to eat less or restrict or um, do something crazy so that I didn't gain weight. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what started my journey. And then 25 years later, I mean, I did every diet that you can even imagine. um, And every single one of them resulted in failure. And that's because diets don't work. But I didn't know that at the time is it wasn't me. It was the diets. But, um, I, you know, I blame myself for the failures. I felt like I was a failure. And at a certain point, I mean, actually, I could tell you the exact point. I was uh, living in my apartment in Atlanta, where I worked when I graduated college, and I lived alone. And I had been doing just still more crazy stuff. I had an eating disorder in college. And then, um, I was doing all kinds of crazy things. Like I would get up, I wouldn't eat. I would go all day at work and drink like diet, Dr. Pepper, no water, nothing, no food, and then come home and try to work out. I was too tired to work out. Um, and I was starving. So I ate, you know, like three lean cuisines. Um, you know, it was just insane. And I felt so bad about myself that like, I just couldn't stick with it. Like, you know, why can't you just stop eating? Why can't you just have enough willpower? power and just quit and then just lose the weight. And then you can move on with your life. Well, all of that being said, um, this one moment I was sitting on my couch and I just was in tears and I just knew I cannot keep doing this. This is the mental torture and emotional torture I'm putting myself through is not worth, you know, the 10 or 15 pounds that I'm trying to lose. So I decided right then I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to diet. I'm going to eat whatever I feel, not like whatever I want, but like whatever my body is telling me to eat. If I want to go for a walk instead of a five mile sprint, I'm going to do that. And I was afraid. I was afraid that I was going to all of a sudden put on all this weight. And that is the opposite of what happened. Mm. All of the resistance. Yeah. I'm just, I could sit here and talk all day without even stopping. So <laughs> please interrupt me if no, you want to. Like so engrossed in your story. Uh, well, so I, um, I, all the resistance was gone. You know, like I hate the way I look. I'm, I'm so disappointed disgusting. I'm so fat. I'm such a failure. It was gone. And then all of a sudden I wasn't had this, I didn't have this fear-based relationship with food anymore. I started cooking just, you know, little by little. And when all that resistance was gone, all of that focus that I had on dieting and trying to lose weight and looking perfect, all of a sudden it, it was focused on different things. So my attention started turning toward, um, what effect does food have on my body? I I started reading and I got really excited about it. Like, why do I need, you know, this amount of protein? Why do I need vitamin C? Why do I need all these things? How does it affect my body and what foods contain these nutrients? So I got so excited about it that I decided to go after work and take a class at Georgia State University after work a couple nights a week. I took that class. I took more classes. And before I knew it, I was on my way to becoming a dietitian and a completely 
um, new career. Um, so all of that being said, that one goal that I set, it was sort of like an accidental goal, but I set it and I achieved it. And that's when I realized that a huge part of losing weight and keeping it off, um, is to set a different goal that has nothing to do with weight or what you look like. It's what you can achieve and what you're capable of. And then once you start doing those things, your habits start to fall in line with a healthy body and a healthy self-esteem, most importantly. So, yeah, that was it. Uh, the the sort of short version of my where all of this came from. So, and I have an intense desire excuse me, to share this with other women so they can get out of the same, you know, vicious cycle. Well, I think it's beautiful. And and like I said, there's quite a few things there that um, hit home for me. Like I started learning about, I grew up on a farm in Ohio. Um, My mom and dad would kind of grow the produce and we'd get like most of the time local meats and my mom would can the vegetables and things. So a lot of times our food was kind of farm to table um, and we didn't have like soda in the house. My mom wasn't a big dieter. Um, That's awesome. Which was really awesome. We had all that nutrients. Um, but when it came to food kind of changing was when my parents divorced and at the same time my mom lost her job and it was all these things. So we went from having great nutrients to like not a lot of how of like wholesome food in the home because my mom wasn't there to be able to keep the garden and and then, you know, you move into having to have school lunches and those were not nutritious at all. Right. Um, and it, so I started to gain weight and then I, I started emotionally eating over. Yes. Yes. Um, but I was super active. So my, my weight would kind of yo-yo. Um, and then I started to learn really about macronutrients my freshman year of college and really dove into, uh, oh no, excuse me. First it was proportions. So I learned about proportions and like, uh, excuse me, portions of food. And like, okay. Then I started the summer after my freshman year only eating one portion size for this or that. And I was eating whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it was very active, like running and lifting and things like that. Um, and then it really wasn't until I think maybe I had graduated from college that I started to look at like real label reading, looking macronutrients and diving into um, the amount of food that we're intaking and, and quality of the food, eating organic. And then I started to do, um, I was married. And then while we were separated, I started emotional eating again and gained a lot of weight from mm-hmm. like 122 pounds up to 140. Um, and then I hated my body and I felt really low self-esteem. So I decided I wanted to do a fitness competition um, which then requires cutting body fat, building muscle. And through that, I developed a lot of confidence in, in controlling my, my food choices, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, and my physical body. But then I developed a food anxiety because uh-huh. I lost all the weight. I didn't want to eat certain things or sugars or have any, a glass of wine or like I have a bite of dessert, which I kind of still do today unless it's a really good dessert, but, um, <laughs> but I, and I was afraid to eat pizza. Like I didn't have pizza for two years. And like, I'm like, I was in Italy and, and my friends were like, why aren't you eating this? <laughs> right. And I was just like, wait, but I got to look good. Cause I'm doing like fitness modeling now. And I just, I don't want to gain any weight, which is such an unhealthy thing. And it took me up until like two years ago when I started dating my, my current boyfriend 
to start to release some of the anxieties around food and like having a little candy here and there. And I know that it's not healthy to have those things, but it's, for me, it's healthy to be able to say, okay, I'm going to have a slice of pizza or I'm going to have a bit of pasta, but I choose the healthier options of it most of the time. And the majority of my, my food choices now are very much rooted in uh, intuitive. What does my body really want? Like I'm craving Brussels sprouts and all I want to eat are Brussels sprouts and I'll have like a protein shake here and there. Um, but my body just feels so much better. My mind feels quite a bit healthier. That's so awesome. And yeah, once you release the resistance in your mind toward food, it's, it changes everything. Um, but I can so relate to everything that you just said. Um, yeah, having this part of, I think the problem is that our nutrition culture is so focused on individual components of food instead of like what you're saying, the holistic, you know, the macronutrients, or even just like it's food, you know, mm-hmm. like it's life and you're going to, you're going to be in Italy and there's going to be pizza and you should enjoy that. And we've just gone completely off the rails, in my opinion, with all of this like obsessiveness about what's in the food. It's important, obviously. I mean, you want to eat a healthy whole, mostly plant-based diet. I mean, I, that's what I follow. It's not, you know, an absolute, but but yeah, like what you're saying, it, it should be part, it's a part of a healthy life to eat foods in a certain circumstance, like being in Italy that make you actually happy because happiness and feeling emotionally healthy and well and enjoying your life are part of health, a big part of it, you know? Absolutely. And that's something I, I it's not my story, but I think it's important when we have these conversations to kind of share a little bit. I, um, like doing the fitness competitions, like very much into adding muscle and eating proteins, blah, blah, blah. But I'd have like my lean proteins and I'd taken fats from like coconut oils, things like that. And then a lot of veggies, a lot of it. Um, but it was my relationship with animal protein shifted after being sexually assaulted. Many years ago. Oh gosh. Okay. You and I have so much more in common than we even knew. So really? okay. we did a whole new podcast on being um, sexual um, assault and just um, harassment, the whole thing. Okay. So go ahead. That's, I'm no, so sorry. That's- you're more- no, no, no. It's okay. I mean, these are things that happen in life and, you know. Yeah. But anyway, I shifted and I remember. I was in uh, Poland and this happened. Obviously I didn't know this person. It was like, I was traveling alone and it was really traumatic for a number of reasons, but instantly I did not want any animal protein at all. Like my body suddenly started craving nuts and like seeds, fresh berries and like things that were like very, um, energy giving and almost close to life or a life giving. Mm -hmm. And, and then over time, as I started to heal from that, I started to be able to eat animal protein again. And then it happened again. Uh, I was assaulted again and the same thing. And I noticed now in my life, anytime that there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit to a lot of bit of, uh, stress, um, my body doesn't, I can't eat animal protein. So, and I know this, not just me. And I'm curious, I've talked to several women who are like this very similar response has happened to me in my body. And they're, these women are like staunch vegans, whereas I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm mainly plant-based, but I'm flexible. Like I'll, I'll, right. I won't go to things unless, you know, my body says no. Right. Um, 
curious if that's something that you hear or have heard of with your clients. You know, I have never heard that, but um, I am, I'm vegetarian. I have been for 24 years. I was um, sexually assaulted. Well, it, I, it, that word seems so strong, but I was in a physically abusive relationship in high school mm-hmm. um, that was really so so violent that now, um, I have seizures that I have to take medication to control. So like from the head injuries Uh and yeah. And I didn't know at the time, I mean, I knew, but like no one said anything. My mother knew the parents of the kid were friends. It's just a whole mess, but like, which is part of why I'm doing this because I believe it's all connected. The, um, you know, the, patriarchal culture we live in, the the chauvinism that we're subjected to, and that we have this conditioning to be quiet and be silent and not speak up and not say anything and to be sweet and look pretty. And all of that is definitely related in a very big way to our obsession with the way that we look and, and constantly going toward that as our main focus rather than developing a voice and a sense of purpose and a and goals and reaching our fullest potential because we're trained not to do that. Um, or at least I was in my Southern culture. But yeah, I don't know if maybe that has a connection with me being vegetarian because um, I don't know. It's just fascinating. I'm not sure about that. But um yeah, if that's your experience, then it's your experience, and that's what happens. So Absolutely. I found that interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's it's very interesting, and I'm so sorry to hear about your trauma. And I know that's we could definitely <laughs> we could definitely talk about <laughs> for uh, a long yeah. time. Um, but that to me is just it once again gets into the whole thing that we the the human experience is very interwoven. It's not yes. like compartmentalized. Okay. Diet is this. And then physique is this. And then mental health is here. And then, right. Like, no, it's all very much um, stitched together. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, God, that's crazy that these were experiences you had while you were traveling alone. I traveled alone significantly before I got married, um, and now I'm divorced. But um, I love traveling alone, and I, I saw your bio on, online, and I love that you did that. But that's a that's a something scary to have to deal with while you were alone without a support system. I'm so sorry. Absolutely. But if it couldn't have happened to someone who... <laughs> It, it, it happened to me and I'm someone who could handle it. Well, um, so good. that was um, very much a, a good thing. I'd rather it happen to me than somebody else. But anyway, yeah. moving yeah. away from this, <laughs> this topic, yeah. um, um, I'm just, was there a moment whenever you were in like taking these courses where you're like, I'm going to become a dietitian. Like, did you have many aha moments? Um, you know, I think it was more just after that first class and my teacher said, why don't you take another one? You know, why don't, what do you do for a living? And I was a meeting planner in a hotel and I hated it. Mm. And she was like, well, you ought to consider like just, you know, getting another degree. And I was 32. I was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, the aha moment was, this is really fun. I really am. I'm, I feel alive. I feel inspired again. And so that really was it. Um, I just had no plan to make a career change, but once I got really on board with it and I committed to getting the second degree, um, I just, it took off and I was off and running to nutrition and gosh, I just, I immersed myself with books and with, um, 
yeah, just reading constantly about biochemistry, getting down into the nitty gritty details. But, um, yeah. And I love people and I love, I I love my friends. I want to help women. It's really a lot of what we were just talking about, um, is that I just don't want anyone to go through a lot of that stuff about being assaulted and then about focusing on my looks. All of that is, like you said, interwoven. And I think some women, a lot of women don't realize not only is it not normal for us to be completely obsessed and waste our lives focusing on what we look like to the exclusion of all else, but, um, yeah, it's it's not normal, but it looks normal because we're all doing it. And I just want to show them that, like, it's not just about diets don't work. It's about you are wasting your life doing this. So that's really this passion I have for that. It became more about um, it became less about let me help women lose weight without dieting. And that's my, you know, my my tagline, but it became something bigger than me. And it's like, now I just, I can't stop now. Like I live it. It, It's always with me and I'm always thinking about it. So I don't know if that answered your question. (laughs) What was, what was the most challenging thing for you in the beginning when you were making this shift? Um, probably that I'd had a series of jobs and I couldn't find what I loved. And I was always trying to find what I loved and what, what my passion could be, you know, like what colors your parachute and all that. And basically my parents and, you know, my girlfriends were getting married and having children. None of my friends worked. My parents were like, what are you doing? Why can't you just get married, find someone to get married and have children and settle down? So, um, that was the hardest part. Like I got a degree, I had some jobs. I was making money. I was paying my own bills, but that was such a foreign thing to the, to the culture I grew up in. So then when I went back to school to get another degree, they were like, Oh my God, now you're like, what's, what are you doing? So that was hard to not have like people near me or next to me in my group saying, this is awesome. I I never have actually had that until I started this business and like doing these podcasts with people like you who are doing their own thing. And it's just so, it's such a revelation because I didn't have that support. So I had to just, you know, block out the noise and just keep pushing through. Yeah. Wow. That that is, um, just speaks to your fortitude and the passion (laughs) that was ignited. And I felt like the odd person out because in some ways I've taken the road less traveled and um, it's it's not easy, but it's very fulfilling and it's yeah. hard to explain to some people like why you're doing what you're doing. But at the end of the day, it's like you don't, once you find groups of people that are similar to you as far as like taking alternative paths, searching for their passion, not just settling, um, you kind of find a community, which is like, okay, I got you. Maybe yes. your family doesn't understand, but right. <laughs> Yeah, that's important. And I actually haven't found that community. I've found it like doing these podcasts and like um, randomly uh, online meeting people, which is wonderful. But like, I am literally sitting in my house, my townhouse with my two daughters. And I, it's a lot of, it takes a lot of self determination to wake up every day and and motivate myself to do this because I I really would love to have an in-person group. But anyway, yeah, I just need to, I need to find that group of women that I can go hang out with once a week and talk about goals. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the only thing missing. I feel like, (laughs) oh, well, um, Mm, we'll talk more about that later, but for anyone listening, my recommendation is like, if you don't have that group, maybe you're the person who needs to create it. And 
Um, I did that in the past when I first started my podcast and, uh, in living in DC and just searching out other female entrepreneurs and setting up, um, a weekly call with a couple women where we did talk about our goals and where we were and yeah. we had an accountability group and it was super helpful. And they're like my best buddies to this day. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to think about that. Thank you. Yeah. For that. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I'll send you some more info, but that's maybe you have to be the catalyst for it, and that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Um, but as far as like you know, self motivating, do you have rituals that you do each day or each week, each month? Kind of. Yeah, every or- day. Uh huh. If I if I don't center myself for my day, then my day is not what it should be and what it could be. So every morning I get up, I probably wake up around five, sometimes four thirty. I just wake up now, but, um, I make a huge cup of strong coffee and I sit and I read something inspiring, um, something about, you know, entrepreneurship or about, you know, like thinking grow rich or something like that, mm-hmm. that I just always have on my, on my table. But, um, I do that. And then, Really, that's it. I just get super inspired. I look at my day planner and I figure out what I've got for the day and I plan what what's my day is going to look like. And then I have a good workout. And then, yeah, that's how I get started. So, Oh, that's all fantastic. That's um, Think and Grow Rich is a great book. There's also Think and Grow Rich for Women. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's Yes. It's a great book. It's a magical, she's a magical lady. I got to meet her after I read the book. It was a very serendipitous wow. thing. Um, but I highly recommend that okay, I'm, I'm for getting that. listeners and for you. Yeah. You'll love it. Um, that's great. I think those are beautiful rituals to have and to set yourself into a motivated mindset really, yeah. really does help for the day. That's good. Um, well, and when you're looking kind of back on your journey, um, what are you seeing that you're proud of? Um, really just my determination to keep going. Um, no matter how much of a failure I felt like, and again, I was getting those messages. It's not like I felt like I was a failure, but people were, were questioning everything that I was doing. And it takes a lot to tune all that out. But every time I had a job and it wasn't what I wanted and I decided to switch, I just keep getting up and and keep on going. That's sort of my personality. So I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Very good. And and what are you what are you celebrating currently? Well, I'm celebrating that I wrote a book and published it last year. So that was a dream that I'd always had. And, um, and I actually, for 15 years, I wanted to write that. I had the idea for that book for 15 years and I never, got around to it. And I think most of it was because I was in an unhappy marriage and I just was unhappy. But, um, yeah, I sat down last, I guess it was last January. And I just said, I'm writing this book for the love of God. And so I did. And that's what, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. Yeah. How beautiful. Well, tell me about your book. Well, okay. It's called Love to Lose, um, Love Your Life and Watch the Weight Lose Itself, which encompasses a lot of what we've just been talking about. But it's also a practical guide for women to understand why diets don't work and an explanation of um, emotional eating and how you know if you eat emotionally. 
And then specifically, it's like a blueprint for changing your habits and changing your thoughts and doing those two things simultaneously just starts to really give you exponential results. So, um, and there's also a section on setting a big goal and exactly how to do that. So it's part inspirational and part um, practical and manual to, to do all of those things. Absolutely. Well, diving in, I don't want us to go through the whole book, but um, just a few like uh, teasers for our audience. Like what are some signs of emotional eating? Okay. Well, first of all, I am an emotional eater and I say that I am because I'll never lose those tendencies. I just know how to spot the triggers for those tendencies and I know how to manage those. Um, But you're an emotional eater if it's mainly if you're eating, obviously, in response to something other than true hunger. So feelings, circumstances, your environment, um, like boredom, anger, frustration, loneliness. Um, Yeah, so if you're eating in response to those rather than true hunger. But some other signs that I don't think people really think about much are if you eat regularly past the point of fullness, like cleaning your plate, even when you're not hungry anymore. And if it's the act of eating itself, like filling yourself up, that is more satisfying than the food that you're eating. Um, and that's definitely has been true for me. Um, what's another one eating past the point of fullness, eating too fast, um, feeling like you want to eat alone and you, you don't want to eat in front of other people because you're afraid that people are going to be judging you. Those are all signs of emotional eating. Okay. Very good. Well, for, for those of you out there that have some of those signs, maybe you need to read love to lose. (laughs) Yes. Pick up your copy today. (laughs) Yeah. Where, where's your book available? It's on my website at camillemartinrd.com, but there's an easier link um, that I created to remember easier. It's a love to lose book.com. And it's also on Amazon. All right. Very good. Everyone's Amazoning. (laughs) Well, good. Um, Well, uh, this is a question I I ask everybody that I have the honor of interviewing, but if you could, Camille, um, travel back in time to a certain age, Mm -hmm. um, what would, what age would you be? And what advice would you give to yourself? Well, it would definitely be when I was around the age that I started dieting at 12 years old. And I would say, um, there's nothing wrong with you. You're about to get all of these messages, um, from people, from the media, from your environment that you are not beautiful and that there's something wrong with you. And just know there is nothing wrong with you. Um, always trust your instincts and your gut feelings, Um, which as an aside, I had all of those gut feelings and those, um, my intuition speaking to me when I was dating the man who eventually became my husband and I did not listen. And for 17 years, I was in an unhappy marriage because I didn't listen, but I would tell my younger self, go with your gut, trust yourself. And there's nothing wrong with you. Everything about you is beautiful. That's what I would say. Hmm. That's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, Well, Camille, um, is there anything else you'd like to share with uh, the Her Drive audience? Let's see. 
what else could I, what, what big um, words of wisdom could I leave anyone with? I guess really all I want to say is that um, whatever you want to do with your life, like think about dreams that you had when you were little. Um, Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Truly. I mean, like, when people look at my website or your website, they're seeing the most perfect version of ourselves. I don't want to say a curse word, but I'm literally scared shitless when I'm do- <laughs> when I'm doing anything out of my comfort zone. Everyone's scared. Everyone's afraid. Everyone wonders if they have what it takes, but you do have what it takes. And just don't be afraid. Put yourself out there. That's There's no reason to live if you're not going to put yourself out there and share what you've learned to help other people. It's all, Otherwise, it's just a waste. And I want every listener to know that you are truly beautiful inside and out. And we everyone needs to hear from you. So that's what I would say to leave everyone with. <laughs> that's absolutely beautiful. Well, Camille Martin, thank you so much. Again, where can everybody find you online? I am at CamilleMartinRD.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at, I think Instagram is Camille underscore Martin underscore RD and uh, Facebook is probably the same. I'm not a social media savvy person yet. My daughters are helping me, but that's, Mm -hmm. I think those are the two places. (laughs) Very good. And of course we'll, um, we'll hyperlink you at her-drive.com. Well, Camille, thank you so very much. It's been a wonderful pleasure uh, hearing a bit of your story and I look forward to watching you thrive and grow and inspire more ladies. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I loved being here. It was so fun. And I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Her Drive with Cindy Cramblett. If you want to know more about today's guest or know a fascinating woman you'd love for me to interview, please see the show notes, visit Instagram or her-drive.com. And please, 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 if you love the show, leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for riding along and subscribe to join our next woman and her drive to success.